Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that this finds you and your family doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I had the privilege of interviewing Tom and Jennifer Buck. Tom is the pastor of First Baptist Church, Lindale, Texas. And some of you, most of you probably watching this channel, you're at least somewhat familiar with the controversy that has been swirling around Tom and Jennifer Buck, this rough draft of this letter that was leaked in the SBC and all that. So if you've kind of heard of some of that, if you're not sure exactly what is going on, uh, I would encourage you to, well, you can Google it and, and read about it. But also the first place I would like you to go to is in the description down below. I have provided a link to an article that Jennifer wrote on the G3 website. This was published back in April, a few months ago, a couple months ago. And um, so read that, and that will give you kind of some background information. But this uh, this rough draft that she wrote was leaked, and it was leaked with the purpose of doing damage to Tom's reputation. And uh, it was very um, just a, a a really dark thing that happened. And uh, quite honestly, my words, I'm not speaking for them, but quite honestly, reprehensible what was done to Tom and Jennifer Buck. So I wanted you to hear from them. Uh, primary source and I, I think this interview will be an encouragement to you so uh, please do watch it all the way through uh, at the very end of it I will have a couple of closing thoughts a couple of important points I think that should be made and uh, so do watch it all the way through now let me say this you'll probably notice that the audio levels are a bit uneven Jennifer's audio is a bit low and I think it's because she was a little bit further away from the microphone, so I did my best and post-edit to, to go through and try to up her volume levels, but I am no sound engineer, that is for sure. And um, my YouTube channel, well, if you're watching my YouTube channel, you ain't, this ain't Hollywood. You're not watching my channel for special effects. So anyway, I think, I think you can grin and bear it. So without any further delay, here is Tom and Jennifer. Well, Tom and Jennifer, it is uh, such a pleasure to have you on my YouTube channel, and uh, thank you so very much for coming on. Tom, this is a result of you reaching out to me a few weeks ago and just uh, talking about how you and Jennifer would like an opportunity to kind of give your side of the story of, of all this that's um, garnered so much attention. And um, so, yeah, I, I want to give you this opportunity and tell us a little bit about, I guess, maybe just briefly um, how this became such a, such a big story and the publicity that it garnered. Well, Jennifer's story got leaked, uh, her, a, a rough draft that she had written about the early years of our marriage. <clears throat> it's kind of a long story and it would take up probably more time than uh, what we desired to do regarding, uh, talking about our marriage and what God did to heal it. Uh, and most of the people, a lot of people know already about that, but essentially, uh, what occurred was uh, Jennifer and I had mainly Jennifer had about four years ago. I was a part of her as she was walking through that was writing out the, a rough draft uh, of what we had experienced in our first few years of marriage. Uh, we have been married 35 years 
and uh, coming up next month. Mm -hmm. And we have always talked about uh, our story regarding the difficulties that we had in the first uh, few years of our marriage, mainly in order to bring encouragement to the church. We share in counseling sessions uh, when we talk with, you know, couples that are struggling in their marriage, because we know that it gives them hope that if God can do what he did in our relationship and in our marriage, that he can do the same thing for them if they'll submit themselves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because often, like with us, mainly with me, I didn't, I knew what the gospel was. I understood what God, what God wanted marriage to be, but I didn't know how to live that out. I didn't know how to overcome issues in my own life that I had with anger from things that happened to me in the past and, and so forth. And it, and it spilled over into our marriage. I just didn't know how to deal with that. And I find that that's a lot of times what's happening in, in young married couples. And sometimes even couples have been married longer than that. They don't know how to apply the gospel, but we had never shared it on a, a, a broader scale. And so about four years ago, um, we were doing, thinking about sharing that. Uh, Jennifer specifically, because the Me Too movement, Church Too movement was at foot. So maybe you could just explain for a second why you had a, a desire to share it on a broader scale. Because I kept seeing a lot of the voices that were talking. Basically, they were they were just stuck in the abuse they were in. There was no reconciliation. Um, there was no hope being given for a marriage to be redeemed, for somebody to change in Christ. There was no instruction on how to apply the gospel, those things were being lost in a very public and uh, a topic that was much at the forefront, even within a lot of the circles of the church that we were seeing. And that was that saddened me because I know firsthand that the gospel can change. And I know firsthand we've learned how to apply the gospel. And I didn't want that to be lost. Yeah. And so we shared that. Obviously, I'd share, I've shared it from the pulpit. Uh, story. I've talked about how that I was controlling and, and how that I was, uh, uh, I would say, I probably used the word abusive with my language. Um, I I was not kind in the way I spoke to my, that wasn't every second of every day, but it certainly was part of uh, a main part of what our marriage was early on. And and not to interrupt, but just to kind of, yeah, just to uh, set the scene for those who are not as familiar, maybe watching this and hearing of it for the first time. This all came about as, uh, Jennifer, you wrote a rough draft talking about the early years of your marriage. And so when we say the early years, we're talking about, yeah, 35 years ago. And, and this at the time, Tom, you were, not, you were not a pastor, but you were a seminary student, correct? I was a seminary student when we came to that point. I served as a, a worked in youth and things of that nature, but I was not a senior pastor yet. Yeah. And so I was at seminary when this all came to a head. And when, you know, things were getting pretty rough uh, to one degree or another. And but since we had shared that in those other settings, Jennifer had never put it in writing. Right. And and, and, you know, when you go out into public consumption, you want because you don't have the ability to to explain things like we're going to on this video. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you're you just got it there in, in cold black and white. Right. Right. And so she was looking for somebody to help her edit that and and give her feedback. And we reached out to someone for that. Jennifer and I both did. That's all we had asked for. And it's a long story of why it never got even into a blog. But at the end, we had even forgotten about it. But then it resurfaced when somebody took her story 
and was going to try to use that or was using it as a means by which to retaliate against me because they did not like some of the things that I was doing in the Southern Baptist Convention. And mm-hmm. um, and no need to get into all that, but that's how her story came out. And unfortunately, because of how it came out, it um, it really was robbing us of the opportunity of sharing all that God had done. Our story has always been received yep. as hopeful, gospel-centered, people in the church thankful that we were willing to be vulnerable and willing to be transparent about our marriage to help other people. Yeah. And in the first draft, I wrote it in a particular way so that it could be um, clear to whoever was helping me fashion it that I knew what I was talking about and I wouldn't just be disregarded. So I put things in there that I didn't necessarily want to be stated that way publicly, but I needed them to have a background and understanding to help me know how to translate it without having the mess we've had right now. And in my rough draft, I'd say a third of it was discussing the issues. And then two thirds of it was God's redemptive work. The majority of it was what God did but they have disregarded that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Tom, you sent me the rough draft. I've read it. And, uh, and it is a, a, a beautiful story of, of how God has worked in your marriage. And just to, just to kind of clear up so people don't get the, the, the way this has been used by some to try to hurt you, both of you, um, that Tom, you were a, a, abusive. And so let if I may kind of delve in here a little bit, um, what did that quote unquote abuse look like? Now I know because I've read the rough draft, but I want to hear from y'all. So um, did this ever come to like physical abuse or what, what kind of abuse are we talking about? Well, I think it'd probably be good for us to just kind of talk to how it led up to that. You know, when, when there was a point in time that I slapped Jennifer's arm, uh, her wrist. I yeah. think they're probably good to, to not that because that's kind of the turning point of where we realize, yeah, got to deal with something. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could just talk about what it was like early early on in our marriage and and uh, because there was verbal, definitely uh, tearing yeah. down verbally. So we'll go ahead and just yeah, he words. was. Um, it took a long time. You know, retrospect, you see things differently. Um, I realized later that Tom was very insecure in his leadership. And so anything that I said, well, not anything, but a lot of things that I said, uh, things that I differed with him on, had a different opinion on, he took that as a threat. And because he didn't know how to process that, so he would get very defensive. Um, And in that defensiveness, if I kept trying to push my my point, um, he would get very upset over that. And um, I don't remember, I don't remember any calling of names. I don't remember that type, just very loud, very strong. You shouldn't think that way. You need to think this way. Um, well, I would say certain things like, well, that's stupid. Well, yeah, that's, true. you know, there and, was that. and um, it was never your stupid, but my ideas were in court. Yeah. yeah. And, and wow. just demeaning, you know, so demeaning language. Um controlling mm-hmm. so to the point of like if we were in the car and i couldn't touch the air conditioner yeah no not, i had to control that it's where and if she and i'd be like why are you you know i wouldn't i'd push her hand away at that point right. don't, don't be t- the, the, the stations that i wanted on it's on 
let me put the do not disturb on here. Um, so I was, you know, I was frustrated that she, whenever she tried to contradict me in any way or anything that I felt that I should be in control of. So I'm trying to put this do not disturb on. So I'm going to do that real quick, or that'll be Dean the rest of the time that we're here. Um, So. And there was money control. I I didn't, if he wanted to take me out and buy me clothes, that was great. And he did occasionally, but Uh I could not just say, oh, I'm going to go get a shirt or I'm going to go get this or that. It was, it was very much controlled on those areas. Um, He was good in lavishing those things, but I did not, um, I did feel that I had no say if I felt I needed something that he didn't think I needed, then I wasn't going to get it. So that was an issue. Uh, Even to the point where, you know, and I didn't even realize how bad this was for Jennifer at the time, but um, because I've always had to struggle with dieting and stuff like that. uh, And we didn't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So I would say, Hey, we got to eat, we got to eat this certain kind of food because that's what I need to be able to eat to be able to, to maintain where I need to be. Uh, and just with the stress of, you know, constantly, I, th- I think you probably. You know, I was on guard all the yeah, time. Yeah. On guard all the time. You felt demeaned, mm-hmm. belittled. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had that stress. And then on top of that, not being able to eat the kind of food she needs to eat. Cause I mean, all this diet food, we couldn't afford anything else. She got down to uh, uh, lost weight through the process of that. And that's in our, in our, uh, in the ref draft as well. Yeah. Um, and so then, but then it came to the point when we realized, and I think, you know, Jennifer multiple times tried to appeal to me, um, to say, to help me see how she is feeling regarding these things. Um, even tried to appeal for me to talk to somebody, uh, in the process of that. I'm sure I did, but, um, I'm sure it wasn't always very nicely either. Well, um, (laughs) But there was a point in time where uh, you can tell the part with the, the Coke can type thing. This is where it came to the point. We've got to get help. Okay. Yeah. We were just, we, we actually had friends over there. There was somebody at the house and I just took a Coke can and put it on the back of his neck and he whirled around in anger and grabbed my wrist and slapped my hand. I don't think it bruised. I don't remember that. It was embarrassing and it was shocking. Yeah. It was demeaning. It was more demeaning than, than anything right. Almost, Almost like, like you would do it like you would do a child. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yes. Now I remember seeing the shock in his own eyes, but I was so angry at that point I didn't care. Um, although I think we both realized I knew that that could persist because I I was learning enough to know that sin never stays in the same place. It it keeps progressing. It keeps moving forward. So I knew. Yep. We made another progression and that that was not going to stop if something didn't intervene then. Yeah. And like she said, we had friends there that wasn't in the story uh, there, but it wasn't, you know, if it had been something the way some people tried to portray it, some kind of violent slap or across the face or something of that nature, uh, those individuals would have certainly, uh, well, they were standing there. So it was, like I said, it was demeaning. It was wrong. It was sinful. It was ungodly. It was, and not the way you treat your wife as in a, in a gentle, as a gentle, uh, godly vessel that she is. Yeah. And that's when I realized that's why there was shock in my eyes that if my, because I'd never touched mm-hmm. her before in any way negatively. And I'm like, if I can do that, I could possibly do worse. And yeah. so had you been, had you started meeting with Dottie at that time? I can't remember if you had or not. I, 
Yes. Yes. I was already meeting with Dottie, which is, I think, what helped keep me steady through the whole process. I was already meeting with her. We were, she was already, had already been teaching me how to pray for Tom. This is, this is the older lady that you mentioned. Okay. Yeah. And okay. one of the things she, she, anytime I would, I would just tell her about what was going on. I wasn't complaining about him because I was still a little bit in the fog, I think, of understanding what was going on. But uh-huh. she she'd say, you know, I'm sure Tom doesn't want to teach, treat you that way. I know he loves you. We just need to pray for him. And that was what the Lord used to open my eyes to realize there really is an issue here, but it was safeguarded around. I need to pray for him and we would pray for him and I would pray for him. And the Lord used that to protect my understanding of what was going on to seek help instead of just running away. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was after that happened with the uh, slap on the the wrist that I realized it was through the process of that, that I said, I'm going to meet with Bob who was Dottie's husband. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, you know, it was, it was a good long road after that, you know, year or so uh, of counseling Mm -hmm. and, being having them minister to us and to help me learn how to be the man that God has called me to be. And I still remember the first time that we talked with Bob that he said that when, when probably meet together a year and he said, when we're at the end of this, he said, you all, I believe by the power of the gospel and the grace of God, you'll have a marriage uh, beyond your dreams. Is that how he said that? And Jennifer literally laughed out loud. Oh, really? In I had a hard time believing In disbelief. That. And that pierced me to the heart. Oh, wow. Because wow. I, I realized how much I'd hurt Jennifer. Wow. And how wounded she really was, not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. And I think she would tell you that it was all the, uh, the, all the other things were far more damaging than that slap on the wrist oh, that yeah. day yeah. Uh, in the sense of just emotional. Mm-hmm. things that she had to walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we tell this story and we want, you know, because we get to the hope of the gospel through that, but Jennifer wanted, you wanted people to know that it wasn't a cakewalk because right. so many of, you know, so many of those who have gone through that call themselves survivors and you never called yourself that mm-hmm. terminology, mm-hmm. use that terminology for yourself, but they, you know, they have a hard time, I think, believing, and Jennifer didn't want them to not believe that we went through some real struggle. This was not some, oh, we had some, you know, uh, spats here and there, like right, a lot right. of young married couples do. We went for a really a, a period of, of struggle. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't realize how much anger I had in me. And you don't know those things before you get married. You're not put in those positions. You don't know how you're going to respond. You don't know how you're going to deal with things until you're in the circumstance. Right. So I think a lot right. of marriages go through that. I don't think we're unique. Right. And and something that uh, uh, probably a lot of people don't realize is that both of you have had some abuse in your in your past before y'all ever got married. And and Tom, you you as well. I mean that. Well, my, yeah, mine mine resulted in producing anger in me yeah. and uh, the things that I went through um, that doesn't excuse what I did. You know, there's sure. no excuse for that, but that's part of what um, helps people understand. And that, you know, we bring baggage into, into our marriages, into mm-hmm. our relationships. Yeah. 
And if it were not for the gospel changing and transforming us, I would have lost my marriage. Yeah. You know, that people say, you know, you could have lost your ministry. Yeah, I think I would have never been in ministry. But there's something more important than ministry, and that is my marriage. Because if if I can't lead my home well, I can't lead the church, right? That's right. Yeah. So um, had I been a pastor when all this was going on, I would have needed to step away for sure. Yeah. Um, If this did not get rectified and resolved in a way that's that honors the Lord and the gospel, I wouldn't be be qualified. Mm -hmm. But the qualifications that we see in Scripture are not that one has always perfectly (laughs) ruled their household. Right. But that when they go into that position, that they're 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 leading in such a way that is godly, and that's how God has used us to be able to help other families, other marriages, to say, "Look, if God did that with us, mm-hmm. He can do that with you." Absolutely, absolutely. And what gets lost is the so many people look at things and say, "Okay, well, I'm going to trust God to so make my marriage better," and then it doesn't happen. The whole process of walking through what we did that year with Bob and even the years after, because, you know, it didn't get perfect overnight. It's learning to walk in dependence on the Lord. It's learning to seek him. It's learning to trust him. It's learning to recognize that this situation that I'm in, the circumstances that I am in, God has allowed me to be in. Therefore, it's his will for me. Therefore, he will make a way for me to walk through it in obedience to him. Now, that may look somewhat different in different situations, but the the purpose is to learn to grow and walk in obedience and dependence on the Lord. And that message is lost because we want a quick fix. We want it to be better overnight. I want him to be changed now. I want me to be changed now so we can all be happy. Hmm. And that's not, that's not how God works. And that's what I'm seeing in the, the, the arena of the world today, how they're talking about it. It's just Whatever escape you can find that gives you the quick fix, that's where you go. And that is not the message of the gospel. Yeah. Amen. And, and in reading your rough draft, I mean, that, that is absolutely the, the emphasis of it is the, the power of the gospel, the beautiful redemptive work of the gospel, not only in our initial redemption, you know, to, to salvation, but our, but our sanctification and that, and, um, both of you have, have been sanctified through this. And, uh, you know, I, Jennifer, you even quote Romans eight twenty eight in your rough draft. And it, it's not that what the two of you went through in your first few years of marriage, it's not that that was in and of itself a good thing right. because it, it wasn't, but Romans eight twenty eight doesn't say that all things are good. It says that God works all things together for the good. Even those things that are in and of themselves are not good. And so that's the, that's the beautiful part about this is how God has used those things to bring you to the, to the point where you are today. And, and you can help others who have been through similar things, going through similar things. And, and unfortunately that has been lost and, uh, and clouded in all of the, you know, the controversy and how this came about. Yeah. I mean, there is no doubt that had I continued in the pattern that I was in, that Jennifer, I, I think would have escalated to the point that she couldn't have lived in that any longer. In fact, she knew yeah. she couldn't do that. And I think I told you that we were on a time frame. Yeah. I think I confronted you. It was, it was, it was almost as if 
when we first got married, I was, I was very insecure. I was very weak. I, I couldn't uh, battle his strength, which was a good thing because if I had, we would have never gotten beyond it. Yeah. But it was like the Lord brought me through with with uh, with Dottie working with me and growing spiritually. I came to a point where I was able to stand up and say, this is going to stop or I'm going to leave. We have this long to figure it out. And but the Lord had been working at him that he was ready to hear it. It, it just all worked together yeah. perfectly in the timing. And the Lord had in place Bob to be able to come in and start working with us. Cause that's, we, right. we immediately started yeah. with Bob after that. Yeah. I think that's one of the important things in all this is we have never counseled and we disagree with those who say, Oh, you just go, you know, if you're, if you're in danger or uh, a wife is supposed to just keep going back and living in something that is not in any way reflecting what scripture says of how a marriage should be. We have never counseled anybody. Oh, you just keep going back home and, and, and take whatever is dished out. Dottie didn't talk that way to Jennifer, mm-hmm. but we also don't look at people and say, well, you know what? Uh, you probably just need to leave. You probably need to get a divorce, uh, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I don't even understand Christians that begin at that point. Um, but if we would, if we would allow the word of God to govern what we do and how we respond, my wife confronted me in my sin. Yeah. Uh, my wife reached out to individuals who were willing to help confront me and help me come to the point of seeing the need for the help that I got. I was repentant of those things. Um, Jennifer was also was willing. We both were to do what scripture says, get the log out of your own eyes. She looked at her sin as well. That was being brought to the marriage, which was one of the hardest things. I think that was probably one of the hardest things to do because when I was faced with, well, Jennifer, you've responded this way, or this is what you've been doing. It was hard to accept that because he was the bigger problem. And that was very humbling to be able to have to say, you know what, you're right. I'm not, I can't be completely excused. There are things that I did that, that perpetuated things or, or whatever, because when we're in these situations, it brings out your own sin yeah. So that God can deal with you to be able to make me whole and to make him whole. And I think that's abuse survivors probably deal with that. That's one of the hardest things they have to face is that it, this is revealing my own sin. Maybe not sin in that situation, but it's revealing my own sin and how I respond to it, how I think about it, how I process it, whatever. I'm not without my own sin. Yeah, yeah. And that's an important point and something that needs to be stressed. I think that uh, um, obviously none of us, no one in their right mind would con- would condone any kind of abuse. But uh, those who are on the receiving end of that, just because they're on the receiving end of it does not mean that they do not have their own sin issues with right. which to deal. So, um, and, and Jennifer, I love the your story about the lady that I now know is named Dottie. I don't think you named her in your, in your rough draft, but but it's a beautiful picture of Titus two, right? Older women teaching the younger women, mm-hmm. and um, you know, for we're all complementarians, all three of us here, and say that oh, oh, women can't teach in church. Well, they they do. Some women do have the gift of teaching, but it's it's to be used in a proper way, as Dottie used her gift with you and her husband. I don't remember. What was his name? Bob. 
Bob. His name is Bob. Uh, Bob, you know, used his with you, Tom. So um, I think that's a, uh, as I was reading your rough draft, Titus two just kept popping in my mind. Yep. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. We couldn't have made it without that couple. Uh, you know, I mean, you know what I mean by that? God obviously would have, he, he sure. used them. But in his providence, yeah. Uh, in God's providence, he used that couple. That's, we couldn't have, um, that God knew that's what we needed. Uh, God knew that he had a plan for using us in ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we've told this story over, and you may want to press in on some of the issues. We'd be glad to do that. But we've told this story over and over again. And we have never, whether it be in private counseling or from the pulpit, when I've talked about it, uh, have never encountered people being repulsed by our story or thinking of me in a some type of a an, an, an ogre, you know, abuser type way. Because people see me, they know me. They say, in fact, one of the um, one of the most meaningful things that was said to me through all of this when Jennifer put her G three uh, article up on G three mm-hmm. um, is I got a direct message from Vody Bauckham. And he said, you don't resemble that man in the least. Amen. Amen. And that I, I, I can't, I've never talked about it, read it or talked about it without mm-hmm. it overwhelming me because that's what it should be. Amen. All of us should have stories that of our sin in the past that if we told and we're now true Christian, that people would say, I have no idea who that person is. Mm-hmm. Had been mm-hmm. And the heart, one of the hardest things about all this is not that our story has been told, not about the slap on the wrist, not about the uh, abusive words I used with my wife. Those are not the things that caused me to hurt through this. It's that there are people particularly within the so-called survivor community mm-hmm. who are choosing to want me to look like today, what I looked like 30 some years ago. Yeah. And they want, to, they want that to be who I am now. Right. And right. I, I really wonder whether some of these people even know the gospel because Paul said some of this is what you once were. That's right. The gospel does not continue to define us by what we once were. Now, we need to know what we once were, so we appreciate that we're no longer that. Yeah. So I have no problem. We will continue to tell our story. Yeah. This is, and that that was another thing. I can't tell you the number of people that texted me uh, from back in Florida said, oh, you've told this story all the time. Uh, Remember you tell it? This is nothing new. I, I talked with Nate Pickowicks, uh, who messaged me, or, and he said, you told me this when we were in Baltimore. Uh, we had seen each other there. I didn't even remember telling him. Yeah. The point is, we've told this story so many times. Right. There's people we don't even remember that we've told that are not shocked by it because they've heard it before. Right. Right. Yeah, I was, um, your, your comment about what Vody said to you, when I first heard of this, when I first read the article on G3, it, this was news to me. And Tom, you and I have been friends for a number of years now, but I, I guess it's just, I don't know, it's just never really come up. And so I didn't know about it. But I, when I read that, I'm like, that I had the same thought, like this, this is not 
Tom. Uh, I, it was almost incomprehensible to me that that uh, this was even part of your background because you're not that guy anymore. I mean, you've, yeah, the gospel has sanctified you and you've progressed in sanctification over 30 years, yeah, as well, you would expect. Yeah, and one of the most important things is not just simply that you didn't recognize that because we do know that people can live in secret hidden sin, right? And nobody know it, and then it comes out. True. What matters is, is my wife knows that's not who I am anymore and testifies to that. Yeah. And my children testify to that. Yeah. They were all go. I mean, what were the kids saying? I mean, my adult kids, even that, that yeah. what's he talking about? What's, what is this abuse that they're talking about? They knew about our struggles in their marriage, but they couldn't comprehend that people were calling me an abuser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, and Tom, I'm so glad you just said what you did because there is no one on this planet who knows us better than our spouses. Mm-hmm. No one, because we live with them. You know, uh, there's no one who, and, and the very fact, uh, Jennifer, the way you, you have um, conducted yourself and the things that you've said and your, your clear support of your husband um, testifies to the, to the gracious work of Christ in your lives. Um, and it, Tom, you could not, be a pastor if you did not have the support of Jennifer. I know I'm, I mean, I'm not a pastor, but I'm in ministry. I'm an evangelist. I could not in a million years dream of being in any kind of ministry. If I did not know that Kathy loves me and supports me and respects me, if I didn't have the support and respect of my wife, oh man, I'd shut this thing down so fast and I'd go work at Burger King. But the, the very fact that Jennifer has stood with you uh, so faithfully, I mean, it testifies to the, to the fact that you're a different guy than you were 30 years ago. And he's a good leader. And those that, that I gave him leadership, quality, and strength. Now, when we were first married, he didn't know how to use that. But God used that process to hone him and to teach him and to grow him and to make him into the leader he is today. I would never have been able to walk through this as well as we have. I'm not, I'm not uh, devastated. I'm not incapable. I'm not um, so overwhelmed for it from yeah. it. Can't function because of his leadership and because of what God has developed in him and how he's helped me walk through this. And I have the confidence that he's not going to let me say the wrong thing out in public. He's going to correct me on that. Not harshly, but just, you know, Jen, is that the best way to handle this? Maybe you should do it this way. He helps me with that. And he doesn't um, yell at me if I get upset, but he corrects my mindset of, well, this is where bitterness can come in. We have to be careful on how we think about these things. I appreciate that protection that he's given me as we walk through this. And Sure. I know he's strong enough to fight the battles that need to be fought. I don't have to feel like he's just going to sit back and passively let it all fly by. He's, he's engaging and dealing with it. And I have immense respect for that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's the beauty of marriage. That's the way it's supposed to work. And, and, um, and, and two, as complementarians, uh, we affirm that as men and women, we are of equal value before God. We just do have different roles, but, but Jennifer, you are indwelt by the same Holy spirit who indwells your husband and, and God used you in confronting Tom along with Bob as well, but, but you primarily. And so 
you confronted him in a godly way and in truth. Uh, Kathy isn't dwelt by the same Holy Spirit and dwells me. So as complementarians, we're not saying that uh, as men and women, we cannot correct each other and uh, confront each other's sins. So this is this is the way it's supposed to work in a in a Christian marriage. I let him know his sin all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once a month. <laughs> once a month. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. All right. If I can add one thing, sure. um, I want to go back to Dottie for just a second because one of the things Dottie did is Dottie always took me to scripture. Dottie taught yeah. me the word of God. She taught me the concept of God's grace, who God was, why he's trustworthy, and how to submit to him and how to walk in obedience to him. Those are not things that come natural to us. We have to be taught those things. She never let me wallow. She never um, She never validated incorrect thinking. She might say, I understand how you feel that way, but how do we filter this through scripture? Mm-hmm. And that that was what really has shaped my entire adult life since then in thinking through things in a scriptural way. And it's, it's given me the tools to teach other ladies. It's given me the tools yeah, to help right. other women. So if we had not gone through that, I wouldn't have that. I would be much less uh, equipped to help other women function. So I have no regrets for that. And she has done a a discipleship material. I'm going to put a plug in. It's called Grace Duration. You can find it at graceduration.org. And it's just the simple truths of God's grace that are simple but profound. And you walk away going, I knew that, but I didn't know that. I didn't know what it looked like and how to live that way. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting and sad uh, that the, that many of those who are in again what's the the so-called survivor community are actually afraid of our story. Mm-hmm. Now, here's uh-huh. what I mean by that. Okay. Um, one is we were told that's great for you all, but we're you know if your story is told, it might encourage some women to stay in a relationship and just continue to take the abuse. Okay. That's one of the things we've been told. We were told by another person in the Southern Baptist convention, who's a part of this whole me Too church Too movement that Jennifer got bad advice from Dottie because Dottie should have told her to leave me seriously. Mm -hmm. He's one of the prominent names uh, of the individuals in the SBC right now regarding me too. Even, even knowing everything and seeing where y'all are now, he said that Jennifer got bad advice. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so when I say they're afraid of her story, they're afraid that our story is going to lead to somebody, you know, staying in a situation where they get abused worse or something of that nature occurs. Because, you know, kind of like the, the, the Paige Patterson story where they tried, you know, they said that Paige had said, told a woman, just go back and you may have to take a beating or something. And I don't know that Paige said that. I'm just saying what they claim that he said. Yeah, yeah, right. I wouldn't say that to anybody. Jennifer wouldn't say that to anybody. Nor but, I also, nor, but I also am not going to sit down with a couple and say, I always ask, you feel safe? You know, is there any reason for you to feel unsafe? Yeah. If there is, you, then we need to talk about that right. and take action. But you know, marriage is going to, because you have two sinners living together, right, is going to yeah. lead to conflict. Now, it shouldn't lead to the conflict necessarily that we had, but whatever conflict you're having, God means for this to be used with two Christians for good, and the gospel can overcome this, and That's you need to, to have two mature godly people that can help you walk through this. So if you go to 
I know for sure that if Jennifer had said, Hey, you know, I, I'm at home and Tom's slapping me around, Dottie's not, was not going to say live with that, nor, nor would I, Yeah. but it's almost like that they don't want stories to be ending with gospel hope. They're, they're, they've come to a place where, because they're so afraid of uh, somebody staying and, and being abused in a wrong situation, it, they've almost turned this quarter to where as a believer, as a person, you can't suffer on any level. You can't endure anything. Mm. If anything is uncomfortable, you must flee, which brings its own level of suffering and its own mm. level of difficulty. Oh, yeah. But they're much more comfortable with that. There's no perseverance. There's no understanding of seeking the Lord. And when we tell someone to... Um, wait on the Lord and to seek on the Lord. That's not saying, like he said, you stay there and be, allow yourself to be beat, but it is seeking the Lord of when do I need to leave or do I need to stay? How do I stay? How do I think through this? How do I think biblically? It's they're, they're afraid of those conversations. Scripture is replete with as believers, we are going to go through suffering. There's going to be difficult time. We live in a sinful world. Right. Right. There, that is almost being ignored, and if you are in any suffering, you are to flee immediately. And mm-hmm. that is not where the gospel calls us to. And I understand they're trying to protect a certain level, but they've reduced that level down so low that it's almost as if, oh, I just don't like the way he looked at me, so I think I'm just going to leave. It's it's that easy now to claim abuse and to just run away. Yeah, the sad reality is, yeah. and I believe this to be the case, that had had Jennifer left me and had she, if she had a story of Tom was a, a, a pastor who, uh, you know, was abusive in his language to me and, and all of these other things, she would be platformed at the SBC in a heartbeat to tell her story mm-hmm. because th- that's what it's become. Yeah. We don't, let's not, God forbid we take time to have a couple come up on stage and talk about how God redeemed that because that's not where we are in the church to movement because that's not something you lament. That's something you rejoice in of what God did. So the way to get a platform in the SBC right now is to have a horrible story. And some people do, and I'm not saying they should not be told, but that's the only thing that wants to be said at this point. Yeah. Y'all weren't exactly given a platform at the SPC convention a couple of weeks ago, were you? Well, we were given the right boot of fellowships we were given, <laughs> uh, on the way out. But, you know, it was, is it, we, you know, we re, we had some down points, downtimes through all this. And one day, um, Dr. MacArthur called us and, uh, I was in my office time and Jennifer happened to be in there when he called and we talked and, and, you know, we were just, you know, even like, what people were saying regarding her marriage and, you know, whether how, how this paints me as a pastor and so forth. And Dr. MacArthur said, uh, so how many years have y'all been married? And I said, 35 years. He said, well, I think it's working out pretty good. <laughs> so Seems to be. He said, it was just the first few years. Thank God that, you know, that you're 35 years you've been together. So, yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's cool. I didn't know he had called y'all. That's cool. I'm not surprised. And, and yeah, I think you're right. I think some people, and I think there may be another wrinkle to this and y'all can correct me if you think I need correction here. And I'm not saying this is the majority, but along the vein of some people don't want your story to be told uh, because they're afraid that some women will stay in, a, in a, uh, an acutely abusive situation that, that they need to leave. Um, 
do you think it's fair to say that, and hopefully this would be a minority, but nonetheless, I think it's out there. Do you think it would be fair to say that there are some others who don't want your story to be told because they want a perpetual victimhood status, me too status. And they're honestly kind of uh, um, antagonistic towards the gospel itself. And they, do you see what I'm saying? Yep. I do. Is that fair? It makes them confront their own motivations in what they're doing or what they have done. Yeah. It's an opportunity for them to be confronted with truth and to deal with it. And they'll either choose to do that and allow the Lord to do his work, mm-hmm. or they're going to dig their heels in and reject it and become more embittered and heap separation on themselves from what the gospel has to offer for them. Yeah. We don't even really like the term survivor. We've used it and we kind of regretted it points in using it because it's been the means by which to communicate, try to communicate. It's, it's like trying to speak their language. Yeah. So we tried to speak the language of the SBC. Jennifer's a survivor and I'm a survivor, which is technically true from the way they define things. The problem is you have to be a certain type of survivor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what you're getting at. One that right. not has to be. In fact, the Bible wouldn't call us that. We're overcomers is what we are. Right. Uh, yeah. From the biblical language. Uh, by the power of the gospel. Uh, We are not what we once were, not just in our justification, but even in our sanctification. But yeah, I think that there, I think that some people want to live perpetually in a status that keeps them in victimhood. I don't know what drives that, but there's no doubt that that's the case. That those that are in that camp, and I do believe there are some, well, I'm not going to mention their names, but I believe there are some I do too. would have warmly welcomed Jennifer into their circle of victimhood status and uh, bitter rage. If that's right. who she was, they would have welcomed her in a heartbeat. Yeah. Her identity. It's become yeah. her identity. Right. It's More than identity. identity being in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And they wouldn't have encouraged her to work through all of this in a godly way, they would just have affirmed you, Jennifer, affirmed you in your perpetual victimhood status. That's what they would have wanted for you, which is a a tragedy beyond description in and of itself. So even though the things that I suffered in my past don't factor in at all, you know, uh, in in the regards to to even a moment understanding why I may have wrestled with the anger issues that I wrestled with. Yeah. So it, it is, it's, they're all over the map regarding that. Yeah. Um, that's why it shows you that what's driving this is not the scriptures. What's driving this is the cultural mm-hmm. movement that we have going on right now, which ha- plays into intersectionality and all those other things. Why her story of her past suffering uh, is yeah. validated. Mine isn't. If we would allow the word of God to control this, we were two sinners who came together and because God has designed the the man to lead. It is a spiritually dangerous thing when you have a man in a marriage who is not mature in Christ, not acting maturely in Christ, and doesn't maybe even know how to rightly do it. There's no doubt. It is a spiritually dangerous place to be. Oh, yeah. Why we need a church that is helping men be godly men, women be godly women, Titus 2, right? Mm-hmm. 
yep. need that going on. And we, and, and I think that this doesn't mean that you have to have people that are helping. In fact, Bob told me his story. Bob didn't come along saying, I've been perfect my whole lifetime and let me show you how to be perfect. Bob ministered to me by telling me that he was a lot like me and how God had changed him. Yeah. Yeah. And it gave me hope. Uh, It's hard to have hope uh, when you're looking at someone who says, I've always been perfect. Now let me come along and and tell you, we, we are sinners who are helping one another along the way, realizing the only person that can help us is Christ. He's the only perfect one. Yeah. Uh, and he's given us one another to help lead us to him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I can look back on my, our early years. I mean, Kathy and I've been married 12 years, but, uh, I'm not, you know, I've grown a lot in 12 years and Kathy and I don't have the, this, we didn't have to work through the same kind of issues that, that y'all did necessarily for one thing. Cripple guys don't have really lightning fast reflexes that I could turn around and slap her in, even if I'd wanted to. But, but uh, you know, I had to grow. I mean, my goodness, who doesn't who doesn't have to grow? You know, there. I've always heard the first year of marriage is the hardest because you've got so much growth to do. You've got so much dying to yourself to do. So, um, anyway, I praise the Lord for the work that He's done in in y'all's lives. It's a beautiful picture. Um, so we're, I guess we're kind of coming to the end of the interview. Let me ask y'all this. So y'all did an interview together or you did a video together back in April and I'm going to blur the line, the name out here, but I just want to read you these quotes. Um, this, this lady said, Jennifer looks frightened to me. Tom still seems abusive. I'm concerned Jennifer may still be being abused. Um, maybe someone can get a word to Jennifer to blink out an SOS. She looks afraid and self-protective. <laughs> Jennifer, do you need a, you need to blink out an SOS for us? Fine, I'm quite fine. Yeah. <laughs> she might want to blink a few letters, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like "shut up" or something <laughs> that nature. Yeah, that's been one of the hardest things: is people not. You're supposed to. I, doesn't matter what I say; they're not going to believe me. Yeah, yeah. They just and, want to frame it in a certain way. And it does not matter what I say or do. They, they read anything the way that they want to. And I, I can't, whatever. Well, it shows you that they don't, that statement in and of itself shows you that they don't believe the gospel can change people. That's the kind of people I was asking about. In my yeah. opinion. They, it's, they it's believe, disgusting. they believe, no, there's no way that Tom could change. There's no way that God could. And, and, and they don't, a lot of them just don't like strong men, period. Right. And so yeah. when they see a strong man, if it's Dr. MacArthur, mm-hmm. uh, if it's me, if it's you, Justin, I mean, you're you're a strong man in your leadership skills for sure. Uh, you know, you may not be able to outrun me, uh, <laughs> but you, you're, God has given you great strength. So you speak truth. And that's why when when I say something very straightforward, very direct, uh, on on Twitter, when you say something of that nature, I think they read that through the lens of this kind of angry, spirited. They think it's abusive. Yeah, they and think it's abusive. He's accused yeah. all the time of being abusive on Twitter. He doesn't. He he clearly speaks to what is wrong. He's not yeah. afraid to use the words to describe what is wrong, but he doesn't mm-hmm. attack a person. We've been far more. I feel I've been far more abused by some of these people in 
constantly going back, calling him an abuser, constantly saying that I said he abused me, which that's not the context of the story. But yeah. that, doesn't, you know, they're not going to see it. Yeah. yeah. What what they want is they 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 conflate or confuse, I should say, strength with abuse. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, almost all abuse, real abuse, if you will, um, sinful actions are committed in strong ways, particularly by men that have. Now, sometimes, you know, people could be give the silent treatment to be that. There's other ways to be that way. But many of them, that's how they've experienced any abuse they've had. It's by some level of strength being used in ungodly ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that all strength and all strong words or Paul would be an abuser. And some of them probably think he was. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think they see the, they see the world through that lens and nobody has come alongside of them to really help them heal. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see through the years of helping people. I've worked with people that have suffered really extreme abuse. Some of those sadly have not ended in, in the marriage being able to, because it takes two people to be committed to repenting for a marriage. Yeah. 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 So yes, not all those marriages have, have held together. Uh, but we work even with those individuals to help them see that loss uh, and that pain through the lens of the gospel, Mm -hmm. because the gospel will heal you. Mm -hmm. The gospel will keep you from being bitter and angry uh, to the point of bitterness. Mm -hmm. And I've had to wrestle with that, with what we've been through in the SBC. Um, We have, there's no no doubt that my wife has been seriously mistreated in, in this thing, seriously mistreated by some people who are supposed to be advocates for survivors. Jennifer Jennifer meets every category, every category that they use for what makes a survivor except one. She's an overcomer who has not become bitter by her experiences, but the Holy Spirit has healed her completely to the point that she doesn't have to view the world through that lens of victimhood. Yeah. And that's the difference between Jennifer Buck and many of these other individuals out there. Yeah. Kind of like um, Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker and Vody Balcom. Uh, they're not the right kind of black guys. Jennifer, you're not the right kind of, um, you know, abuse victim or survivor, whatever, right. whatever word you want. You're just not the right kind. And so, yeah, her, her name <laughs> Jennifer Buck is a name that shall not be named at the Southern Baptist Convention. So I was appalled for that. I, I took up offense for both of you guys and the way y- that y'all are treated. So anyway. Well, the Lord's using that for good too. And it's and yeah. it revealed a lot. And we came out of that saying, if the Lord is using, if that's all he's going to do in all this, is what did we want justice? Yes. Has justice been served? No. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but Yeah, on this side of eternity. Yep. But we're going to trust that to the Lord. And if all that he used this for was to expose the hypocrisy that is on clear display in the Southern Baptist Convention regarding these things and how they're using a different book to define, which is not the Bible, of how they deal and handle with these things, then so be it. Uh, We pray there will be repentance. But the, the day, the the days, all the bad days of the SBC are not behind them regarding these things. I would say they're just beginning. Mm-hmm. Because they have created an environment in the SBC 
that they'll never be able to satiate the desire of the victimhood status. Uh, it will be a never-ending story of how yep. there must be a forever groveling. Yep. When what ought to be take place, and this is what Jennifer and I do, we, we're going to we're moving forward. We have been trampled on by some people in the SBC, but God will deal with them. And we're not going to allow that to shade how we move forward in our life. And it's a it's a daily struggle for me. I have to constantly keep going back to the Lord. And that's where applying what I know. I know it, but my mind doesn't always want to to remain there. So the constant having to confess when those things overwhelm me and going back to what I know of the truth of scripture and asking the Lord to make sure that that root of bitterness doesn't, that it's not allowed to take root, that he pulls it from the root, that it's gone. Because I don't want to be like those who have treated me the way they've treated me. Well, I know you're an interviewer, but let me ask Jennifer this, because I didn't plan to ask her this, but if you were talking to a couple like us, they may not be going through the exact same things, but they're a married couple. Maybe there's a feeling, a sense of hopelessness with the wife, even because I think our wives feel that quicker. What would you, I mean, what would you want them to know? What would you want to say to them regarding how they need to view their marriage and hope for, for change? I was going to ask that question. So okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Um, I think, I don't know, spur of the moment, I'm trying to think of that. I'll have to, um, it's not over yet. And that our hope is definitely in the gospel and that the Lord uses these circumstances to teach us how to be dependent on him. And that dependence is never, it doesn't, there's never a quick fix to it. It is a process. And, but he's faithful to that process when we are faithful to yield ourselves to him. And we don't even know how to yield, but we can go to the Lord and say, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know how to do this. I don't know where you're going to lead in this. You're going to have to show me, you're going to have to do this. And you're going to have to teach me how to be dependent on you because I can't do this. I think one of the greatest freedoms I ever had that Dottie taught me was I'm not designed to handle these things. The Lord hasn't asked me to handle these things. And she gave the illustration of a sheep. You never see sheep with the backpack. They'll fall over dead because they're not designed to bear burdens. We have a burden bearer and we constantly go to him. He will bear it for us. And we have to learn what that looks like and how that works. So, and I would encourage her that she has to be full in Christ. She has to be whole in him and seek after him. And in doing that, these other things will, there will be a way made of who to go to for help, how to pray about certain things, or when it's time to say, I have to separate in order for things to get better, always with an eye on restoration. And that's a real big question. I don't know how to. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering thoughts on that. I think for me too, when I talk to couples that God, it, we, we have the beautiful ability in marriage once we get to the point to realize that we operate as Christians having all our needs already met. Mm-hmm. When I believe that, because I was always looking for Jennifer to meet my needs, and when she didn't meet my needs or meet up to what my expectations were, I would take that out on her. 
So if I felt my insecurities and all of those things, mm-hmm. but when I realized that I already have everything I need in Christ, then she's not an idol from which I'm trying to get my mm. need met. Yeah. Yeah. I now can operate out of the fact that I already have everything I need in Christ. And when she doesn't give me what I feel I need in that moment, um, I I can rest in the fact that I already have it completely and it allows me to operate differently. And so I would tell you, the gospel is everything you need. We really believe that we yeah. believe it when scripture says that everything you need for life and godliness you already have in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so many that we run into in the victimhood status are operating out of a sense of deficiency rather than the fact that they're already have everything they need in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so husbands are looking for, I, I need, I need to feel like somebody respects whatever it may they feel they need, and they demand their wife to give it to them. Or wife, I want a husband that gives me this. When you come to the point that the gospel shows you that Christ has already provided everything you need, you now begin to look not at demanding something from your spouse, but begin to say, how can I minister to her? How can I love her the way Christ has loved me? And in the process of that, the beauty of it is as we begin to both not look for what you can do for me, I can do for you. We begin to do for one another yeah. what we were desiring anyway. I don't. It, it, sometimes it doesn't even make sense because it explain it, but it's the reality of it. It's reality. So we would tell couples out there, there's hope. Yeah. Get yourself in a gospel preaching church where you can tell your real story. Mm-hmm. Who on God's earth in the current climate in evangelicalism would go tell their story like we'd have because you're going to get crucified in your average environment in the church right now. The church ought to be a place where you can come out and share what God has done, what you need help with, without feeling like you're going to be crushed. And that's what Bob and Dottie did for us. Amen. And and, and this is... uh, Go Go ahead, ahead, Jeff. Bob and Dottie would say, we don't think any less of you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think any less of you. Right. We'll walk you through this. God. And one of the things that helped understanding, too, is that no matter what I'm dealing with, Christ died for that. He's yeah. already made a way for it. He's already paid the penalty for that. So my sorrows and my sin, he's died for those things because even our sor- what hurts us is a result of sin. So he's already yeah. made a payment for those things, and I can go to the cross for that. Yeah, amen. Amen. And, and this is the importance also of, of having a good, doctrinally sound local church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if, you're, if you're in a situation like this and you're going to a church that's woke, you're not going to get godly counsel. You're not going to get biblical counsel. If y'all had been going to a woke church, if woke had been a, such a, been a thing back then, uh, you wouldn't be where you are today. It, it, it would have been the whole situation would have been handled completely differently. If you're going to a woke church, that's bitten into social justice and all that kind of stuff. And the me too, and all that. Well, they um, just slap a label on you and it's yeah. not faint <laughs> and it's not right. overcomer. It's all of those other things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let me say this one last thing. You can ask anything else you want to Justin, but one of the things that everybody else, everybody needs to understand out there, we've got to create an environment in the church. And if you're going to get help in your marriage, you've got to come out and be transparent. Yeah. I think one of the greatest tools of Satan is secrecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. when you're caught in secrecy, mm-hmm. you cannot escape. 
from that. And you continue to convince yourself, okay, I'll eventually get over this because I think pride comes in and we're afraid to reveal what our real sin struggle is. Uh-huh. And the right. church has got to be a place where we can be real about the sin we're struggling with. Yeah. As long as we're repentant about right. what it is and seeking true help. So right. if you're out there and you have a marriage that's struggling right now, uh, often we wait too long to get help. Had we waited longer, uh, the secret would have been kept going, and then we would have felt we need to protect the secret. Yeah. You need to go as soon as you can to say, somebody help us so that we can, by God's grace, be transformed and our marriage can be renewed. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if do her husband any benefit if she can holds the secret. She needs to go, but she needs to prayerfully go with an attitude of restoration, not just going and saying, my husband's doing this, get help me get out. Yes. Yeah. And there's situations, but um, right. just as a general rule, she does right. need to be in prayer that the Lord keeps her attitude right and keeps her willing to be accepting of the changes the Lord does in her husband. And mm-hmm. that, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe this is a question kind of on a, a very practical level, because I know we'll have people watching this that, that maybe they're in similar situations as to what y'all went through. So we touched on this earlier, but none of us would ever could, uh, counsel a woman to stay in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, an acutely abusive situation where her physical well-being is in danger. Uh, so she needs to remove herself from that, go to someone in the church um, find a, a safe place to be, you know, maybe with another family in the church and live with them for a while or whatever. Um, but divorce should not be immediately like option a, right? I mean, there, right. so we're not in, you can, you can remove yourself from a dangerous situation without divorce necessarily. Right. Okay. Yes. So, and as you said, Jennifer, the, the, the goal is for restoration, for reconciliation, for repentance. Um, so anyway. Yeah, we've seen some situations where I think that for restoration to take place, it was going to take some separation because it was so deep and with, with some marriages. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Sure. The, uh, but um, so we're not even saying you just go back and you tough it out. You have to. I mean, that's why every situation has to be dealt with differently. Um right. Sometimes that's going to be need, as you said, to separate. Sometimes that's going to be, uh, no, you don't have the ability to do that. Uh, and, and you're not in an unsafe uh, environment. Continue to try to trust the Lord and, and press on uh, as we're counseling. But every situation just does have to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately, you may take longer for some than others. But ultimately, the, the, the truth is, is that assuming you're talking about two regenerate people, husband and wife who are both Christians um, who, who have some obvious growth to do and sanctification that needs to take place, repentance that needs to take place. But if you're dealing with two regenerate, truly regenerate people and dwelt by the Holy spirit of God, there's no reason, no reason on this planet that that couple cannot work through the differences, the trials, the difficulties that they're going through. If they're indwelt by the Holy spirit, they have the word of God they have the fellowship of the saints, bear one another's burdens, do the one another, the, the one another's in scripture. Um, there's no reason that these things cannot be worked out. 
if both yep, if both are willing to if yield. both are willing right and if, if they're not it can be very difficult yeah and of course if, if one is not then you know ultimately if he continues in that state of he or she continues in that state of, of unrepentant um, behavior than the assumption is that that is a false professor in Christ. Cause yeah, that's where church comes in. That's what church discipline is. Yeah. Right. Right. Which sadly, very few churches actually practice church discipline. So yes, you're right there for a reason. Okay. Well, guys, thank y'all. Thank y'all so very much. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your, your, um, your faithful witness to the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm, I agree for you that y'all have been put through this, but um, in God's providence, it's going to be used by him to, to help an awful lot of people and encourage a lot of people. I believe, I truly believe that. Thank y'all. Thank you. We appreciate you, Justin. And we do hope that this will minister to people. Oh, I know it will. I know it will. All right. Is there any final thoughts, anything you'd like to share? No. I can't think of anything. No. Okay. All right. Well, Tom, you're the pastor of First Baptist Church, Lindale, Texas. Yes. So if people are in the East Texas neck of the woods looking for a good church, First Baptist Lindale. All right. Thank you both. Thank you, brother. All right. So, dear ones, thank you so very much for watching. I am glad to have had this opportunity to interview them, and I hope that you hearing directly from Tom and Jennifer has been helpful for you, given all the publicity and controversy surrounding this. Really, uh, it's very important to hear from primary sources. And I can tell you, Tom and Jennifer are both just super, super fine folks. They really are. They're the real deal. And I'm very grateful for Tom and his friendship. He's been a good friend to me. So, um, Tom and Jennifer, thank you. Uh, As we close, I do have a couple of closing thoughts. Uh, I want to revisit the uh, tweets that this individual put up. I've got a graphic here, and I have scratched out the names and the pictures. I'm sure some of you can you can probably figure out who this is. But um, you know, to say these kind of things, Jennifer looks frightened. Uh, Tom still seems abusive. Maybe someone can get a word to Jennifer to blink out an SOS. I'm concerned Jennifer may still be being abused. The only abuse I see right there is grammar abuse. But at any rate, and then say she looks afraid and self-protecting. That is that is some of the most just shocking libelous statements that um, that I've come across in some time. That I mean, how many biblical principles uh, can we identify that were broken in in these statements from a professing Christian? It's just unbelievable. Uh, and uh, I'm sure the person who put these statements up, I'm sure you're watching this right now, and you should be ashamed. Honestly, you should be ashamed. And I hope and any other, anybody else that uh, joined in all the reindeer games here um, should be ashamed. And may God grant you repentance in that. Um, on a happier note, though, for those of you who are watching and you are... Your marriage is in uh, some difficult times. You're a believer. Your wife is a believer. And you're going through some difficult times, some trials and things that you've got to work through. Let me recommend a couple of good books for you. The Excellent Wife and the Exemplary Husband. 
written by Martha Peace and Stuart Scott, respectively. These are both excellent books. Uh, I have not read The Excellent Wife because I have no plans on ever being a wife. Uh, but my wife, Kathy, has read that book. I think she's read it multiple times. And I have read The Exemplary Husband a couple of times. In fact, I read it, oh, just a... Uh, I don't know, a few months into our marriage, actually, and it was a big help for me. So I, I, if you've not yet come across these resources, even if your marriage is great, um, th these are some very helpful books. So check those books out. There's other ones that are also good, but these, these two uh, come to my mind immediately. All right. Thank you very much for watching, dear ones. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.